Father, thank you that you want to be known. Again and again throughout Scripture, you tell us that eternal life is to know you, to not boast in anything else but to know you, that like Paul said, that the one thing that's desirable is to know you. Father, we really want to have a deeper knowledge of who you are and of all you want to do for us, even in the craziness of this world. And I pray you'd open our eyes just a little bit bigger to how incredibly good you are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The streets were filled with panic. Friends, neighbors, people down the street. It was spreading around town that that everyone was hearing that people were dropping like flies. They didn't know what the disease was. They didn't understand where it was coming from. They didn't know how to handle it. There, There wasn't a cure for it. In fact, the year was A.D. 260. Long before many of the modern comforts that we have today. In fact, did you know that the public in that time could not just go to the hospital because there were not hospitals for the general public? Sometimes there were some for the army or sometimes there were some set up for the elite, but there was no hospital for a person to go to to be cared for. In fact, a historian tells us, this is actually Dionysius as quoted in the book by Rodney Stark. Dionysius says this, At the first onset of disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest. So so this is the picture of what the general public is doing. Dionysius, uh, a bishop, is writing. He says they they would see the, the disease coming on to their loved ones, their dearest people, and they would flee from them. They would push them away. And then look at what they'd do. Throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treated unburied corpses as dirt. Terrified. Pandemonium is breaking out. People are afraid of what is going on. And so they're taking their loved ones and they're saying, ah, you're sick. I don't want to be sick. And they're pushing them out of their houses. They're throwing them in the streets before they're dead. And this is what the world was like in AD 260 in the plague of Cyprian. Not a happy way to experience uh, life. huh? We can be thankful for the world that we live in today. But this morning... I want to talk to you a little bit about the coronavirus. I am no expert. In fact, if you would like to find out uh, more details about this, uh, one of our our doctors in our church, David Boulevard, posted something on his Facebook just today that you can go and you can look at his recommendations about the coronavirus. But as we've noticed uh, over the past, this is just a, a time lapse of how the coronavirus has spread, starting in China. It started in a, we believe, a, a market that sold wild animals as food. Just a note, it's not necessarily a good thing to eat wild animals. Uh, there's reasons for some of those laws that are there in Deuteronomy about what's clean and unclean. Anyway, uh, so it spreads so rapidly and you begin to notice that the whole world is lighting up with this color as more and more cases are coming in. We're up to just a few days ago, March coming until we finally get to the case where today, there's over 100,000 cases of the coronavirus. So how do we as Christians react? And, and what is going on? And does the Bible talk about this? Are we left without an answer? Is this, it, can pastors talk about the coronavirus? I can't tell you much about it. I don't know a lot of the, uh, the details of disease. But I can tell you a little bit about what Jesus has to say this morning. 
you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. Jesus has been asked an incredible question by the disciples. Okay, so, so when is the end of the age? And so he wraps up a whole bunch of things together as he is giving them this prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. And he begins to tell them this. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do we hear anything like that today? Every once in a while, right? See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. What is his emphasis as he's going through the signs of the times? And we're not going to go through looking at all the signs of the times today, but, but what does Jesus want you to know? There's wars, there's rumors of wars. Notice what he says. See that you are not troubled. We spend a lot of time looking at this passage and we look through it and we wonder, okay, is this one happening? Is this sign happening? Is this sign happening? What Jesus wants you to know is the world is going to get crazy and I don't want you to be afraid. Is that good news this morning? There's going to come things on this planet and what God wants you to have is His comfort. He wants for you to have His peace. He wants you to be trusting in Him in the midst of chaos. Verse 7 goes on to say this, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and there it is, pestilences. Okay, this word is used three times in the Bible and this would be the closest thing to describing maybe what we're experiencing with the coronavirus. And it's used another time when Jesus is talking about the signs of the time in Luke chapter 21. And then it's used another time that we're going to look at in Acts chapter 24 if we have time. And earthquakes in various places. Are these things happening today? They're clearly happening. I mean, I was just reading about in in Africa, there's this plague of locusts right now. Villagers are recounting it as if they see this black cloud coming in and the locusts come through and take out their crops and then they lay their larvae and they're eating all of their crops. There's earthquakes that are happening that are so big that Florida actually felt the recent one that happened in Cuba. Who feels earthquakes in Florida? That's such a rare thing. Volcanoes are going off. Clearly the world is out of control. But the emphasis, what Jesus wants you to know is He lists all these signs again and again. What Jesus really wants you to know is see that you are, what everybody? Not troubled. Is that good news this morning? God does not want you to be afraid. And here's the thing. This isn't the sign that we are to look for. Now we can deduce something from it because later on it says uh, these are the beginning of pangs. Uh, in fact, we won't, we won't look at that right now, but it, these are the beginning of birth pains, and we know that birth pains increase in intensity and frequency. So we should expect that these things increase, they become more rapid, they happen more frequently. But does that help me know when Jesus is coming back? No. It, it gives me no time frame to have any idea of exactly when Jesus is coming back, because I don't know how frequent it could get. I don't know how intense it could get. It could get a whole lot more intense. It could get a whole lot more frequent. Does that make sense? So it doesn't help me to go and, and pick out all of the plagues that are happening in the world. It doesn't help me to pick out all the signs that are happening from this chapter and just to say, okay, well, these are happening more frequently. Does that really help me to know that Jesus is coming back? And does that even help me not to be troubled if I'm focusing mainly on these things? 
Well, this morning, I want to look at something, the CDC recommendations. I figured we'd go to some of the experts on what we should be doing as a community uh, to avoid the coronavirus. All right, so first of all, avoid close contact. Don't get too close to people, right? Number two, stay home when you are sick. Well, that's good advice. Stay home when you're sick, okay? Cover your mouth and nose, especially when you're sick and you're coughing, okay? Clean your hands. Wash your hands frequently. Use hand sanitizer. Avoid touching eyes, nose, or mouth. Practice other good health habits. If you haven't listened yet to the Dr. Greger seminar that happened here, I encourage you. It's on our Facebook. We emailed out the link to it. You want to, you want to listen to that because there's some very helpful things there. But I believe this morning that these very tips are helpful to you and I because here's the thing. Matthew 24 actually goes on to tell us that there is a coming pandemic. Coronavirus has not yet been called a pandemic because it's not seen on that scale yet, although most experts are saying it probably will become one. But the Bible doesn't tell us whether the coronavirus will become a pandemic or not. However, it does tell us of another pandemic that is definitely coming, that every person on this planet will experience. Continuing in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We're beginning to see some of these things happening, aren't we? I mean, we're in the middle of an election cycle where things are spiraling out of control, where, where things are going crazy, and, and love is absent from our culture today. We see people, uh, you read about stories in cities where people are injured and hurt and people will step over them or walk past them paying no attention because they don't want to inconvenience themselves. A little bit similar to during Cyprian's plague back in 260 when they would throw their loved ones out on the street. Their love was very cold. Matthew 24, verse 13, though, then contrasts this. So saying there's some people who are running out of what what in their lives? Let's go back, look at it again, right? They're running out of love. Sorry, there it is. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The thing that is lacking, the thing that is absent, the thing that is missing in their lives is other-focused, selfless love. But... He who endures to the end shall be saved. The, the one who keeps loving all the way to the end. The one who clings to God's love. love The one who continues to let God love through him. This is the one that's going to be saved in the end. And then here it is, friends. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in, what does it say? All the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Friends, I want to introduce to you the coming pandemic. The pandemic that we know will impact this entire planet. Pandemic comes from a Greek word, pandemos. Pan meaning all, and demos meaning people. So it doesn't necessarily have to happen with diseases. It simply means something that impacts every person on this planet. And there is a pandemic that is predicted by Matthew, by Jesus, that leads directly to Jesus coming back. It's it's what reveals, and we can look to, to know for a fact that Jesus is coming back. So, 
The virus, uh, coronavirus we call it, goes by an acronym, SARS-CoV-2. The illness is known as COVID-19 for coronavirus uh, 2019. So what I want to do today is to give you uh, some acronyms or abbreviations in order to understand what is this coming pandemic going to look like. Okay, so the communicable element of this is the GSPL. That's what Jesus said. He said, this gospel will be communicated to the entire planet and then the end will come. Okay? The affected individuals, Jesus later goes on to call them disciples. So we'll say that's the D-S-C-P-L. Fair enough? Okay? So Jesus tells His disciples at the end, hey, you're not the only ones that are to be disciples, but I'm giving you this commission to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. You're going to go and make disciples of every single person on this planet so far as possible. So let's identify how we can know what the GSPL is. This is really essential. There's been a huge uh, discussion this week about testing and, and is testing available enough and, and how do we identify the disease and, and I read about uh, the San Luis Obispo County who's wanting to know if one person was infected or not and, and they had to ship off the uh, test and, and they were thinking it wouldn't come back till this weekend. It came back a, a day or so early and it came back negative just for the record. So San Luis Obispo County was still clear at least as of yesterday I think is when I was looking at this. But testing is an issue. So, so what they need to know is, is this the coronavirus? Is, is this, and, and you and I need to know, is this the gospel? When, when we're hearing stuff that people are saying, you know, there's a lot of us who go to YouTube to find out what's happening in the world today. There's a lot of us who Google things on the internet and, and we listen to people telling us various things, even about Bible prophecy, about what's happening and, and comparing it to Bible prophecy. And so we need to know when somebody's talking to us, are they sharing the GSPL? And if they're not, we need to change the channel. What, how do we identify the gospel? It's a simple word, euangelion. Good news. Okay? So if somebody is sharing with you something that is good news about the kingdom, it's, it's about Jesus being a conqueror, then go ahead and keep listening to that channel. It, the good news is always God news. It, it's always about God. It's about His kingdom. It's about the fact that Jesus has conquered on the cross. It's about the fact that Jesus saves people like you and me. That's the good news. And if you're hearing anything else, if you're listening to any other message, please change the channel. Identifying the Gospel. The Gospel is good news because it reveals who God is. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 16. And if that's not coming through in your study of anything religious, then I encourage you to keep on studying. Because our entire goal is to know God. And that doesn't mean that we throw out any part of the Bible. It doesn't mean that we need to throw out what we're studying. What it means is we need to continue studying the Bible until we recognize the picture of a God of love that's revealed from cover to cover in this book. 
It starts off with a perfectly good God who creates a perfectly good planet and it ends with a a God who recreates this planet. And His entire goal is to reunite us with His heart of love. And that is what this entire book is about. And if we don't frame everything that we understand within that context, then we're missing the entire point. Christ's Object Lessons, page 415, says this about that final message that's going to go to the entire planet that Jesus was talking about. It says, the last rays of merciful light. The last message of mercy. Like we talked about this morning. God, a God of mercy. The last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of His character of love. Is that good news to you this morning? You see, what Jesus wants the world to know is that He's a God of love. Jesus came and lived so that we could understand that that's who God is. And if my understanding of God is not who Jesus is, then I'm missing the entire picture because that is the clearest revelation of Jesus that I can have. So we see it's good news. Uh, We saw that it's God news. We saw that it's God is love. And then 1 John 4.18 says this, when we recognize that it's about God being love, as we hear things and we study things, even when it comes to studying end time events, studying the pestilences that that will come, studying the plagues that come on this planet, there is no fear in love, 1 John 4.18 says. In fact, it says that that perfect love casts out all fear. It, It throws fear out of our heart. We have no reason to fear. Now here's a a a commentary on this that I believe is crucial for the times that we're living in. It's from a magazine. Uh, Actually, before we get there, let's look at this. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7. So, yeah, it's good news. You can say, yeah, that we can look forward to to what God is, is doing. We can look to Him as a God of love. All that is great, but pastor, don't hold back on us. Pastor, you need to tell us about the time of trouble that's coming. Zach, don't you realize how intense things are going to get? You know, we're not going to study in detail about the time of trouble this morning. But I just read this recently, reading through the Bible. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Again, notice the emphasis that God wants you to have even when you're thinking about the time of trouble that's coming on this planet. Alas, for the day is great so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. The good news is that you have a God of salvation who even the time of trouble, even the chaos of this planet, He wants to save you out of it. That's His purpose. He's a God of love who employs all of His infinite resources in doing you good, even over and above Himself, is what He's revealed on the cross. He loves you, More than he loves himself. That's the incredible reality of who God is. And Jesus went on in John 16, verse 33, before going to the cross, to tell the disciples, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. He wanted you to be aware that the coronavirus is coming, the H1N1, swine flu, there's going to be things happening on this planet. But then he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Your hope, your grounding for assurance, your grounding for joy is Jesus. Who Jesus is, what He has done, and what He will do 
for you. So in a magazine called Signs of the Times, which oddly enough, you would think, well, a magazine like Signs of the Times, that's going to focus on all the scary things about what's going to happen on this planet. Well, look at what this amazing author had to write about that, named Ellen White. The shortness of time is frequently urged as an incentive for seeking righteousness and making Christ our friend. You know, sometimes that's what's urged upon us. Hey, time is short, so you better get right with God. That's frequently what, what we tend to talk about. This should not be the great motive with us, for it savors of selfishness. Is that true? It really is, because if you think about it, if I am only worried about getting close to Jesus because He's coming back soon and I don't want to be lost, who's it about? It's about me. Not about an amazing, beautiful God named Jesus. Is it necessary that the terrors of the day of God should be held before us that we might be compelled to right action through fear? It ought not to be so. That's not what God calls us to. He doesn't want you just to be terrified and so think, oh, I better start living right because I might die of the coronavirus. He wants you to see something altogether more beautiful. It goes on to say this, Jesus is attractive. Isn't that awesome? Is that true? Have you read the Gospels yet? Have you read about Jesus? Is Jesus attractive? Would He not be a person that you would want to fall in love with? He is full of love, mercy, and compassion. He proposes to be our friend. A few weeks ago we talked about Abraham being God's friend. To walk with us through all the rough pathways of life, He says to us, I am the Lord your God. Walk with Me and I will fill your path with light. Jesus, the majesty of heaven, proposes to elevate to companionship with himself those who come to him with their burdens, their weaknesses, and their cares. Can you do that this morning? Can you bring your your difficulties to Jesus? Can you bring your, your weaknesses to him? Can you bring your cares and concerns to him? Is that a difficult thing? Sadly, it is for a lot of us because we want to do it ourselves or we don't believe Jesus is all that he is. And so we're going to be in a whole world of trouble when we're trying to take care of ourselves and the world spirals out of control. What Jesus is looking for in these last days is the people who are so radically in love with Him that they'll trust Him no matter how crazy things get on this planet. Okay, so we've identified. How do we, how do we know what the GSPL is? So here's the thing though. A virus, it needs Something to live in. A virus by itself cannot exist. It has genetic material, genetic markers. We can know the virus, studying it. Uh, but it needs somebody to live in. And they guess that maybe it might have started, the coronavirus might have started in bats or some other animal like that that people were eating. Again, I don't recommend that, and the Bible doesn't either. Uh, but eventually it got transferred to humans. It needed to multiply within human beings. Jesus has chosen to do the same thing with the Gospel. Jesus says, He doesn't just show up and write it in the heavens, though you can see the Gospel all around us in creation. But He has chosen to tell us as disciples to take the Gospel to the world. And he doesn't just say this to pastors. He doesn't just say this to evangelists. He doesn't just say, he says it to every single follower of Jesus. You are to be a carrier 
of the Gospel. So what does a disciple look like? John 13, verses 34 and 35, just spell it out really clearly for us. How can we recognize a disciple? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. It gives us a frame for for what that love looks like. It looks like the kind of love that's so selfless that you'd lay down your life for somebody. And then Jesus says this, by this, but by this type of love that, that inhabits me, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how Jesus defines what a disciple looks like. And all that we believe, all that we hold dear from Scripture has to lead us to allow God to love people through us. And if it doesn't, it's not a part of being a disciple. And we're misunderstanding what God is wanting for us. Because this is how we can know what a disciple is. They're loving people, radically, selflessly, unselfishly loving people. We see the primary symptom then of a DSCPL is love in action. So how do we become vulnerable to the gospel? You know, when they're talking about the coronavirus, it's like, okay, well, this group of people doesn't need to worry about it. But if you're a little bit, if you're weakened, you may be vulnerable, as it is with every illness, if there's weakness in our lives. The amazing thing is, the gospel is exactly the same way. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 says this, And he said to me, talking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What, what God needs in order for the gospel to be effective in your life is weakness. He needs for you to come to Him and stop pretending that you have what it takes and to bring Him your weakness this morning. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What made Paul such a powerful witness was the fact that he recognized that he was nothing and Jesus was everything. Jesus himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But then Paul goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What's missing? In our lives, if we can't do all things, spiritually speaking, loving people, we just got to connect with Jesus. So continuing on, First uh, Corinthians one twenty seven. but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put this to shame the things which are mighty. You see, gospel vulnerability, GSPL vulnerability, is simply to recognize that you're weak. That's what makes you susceptible to the gospel. And I'm concerned, especially for America today, because this seems to be lacking. The gospel doesn't seem to be attractive to us. I mean, people are not flocking to see Jesus like I wish they were. And the only thing I can guess is we're not recognizing how incredibly weak we really are. How desperately we need a savior. Because when that recognition comes in, we begin to hunger and thirst for the only one who can save us from this dark planet. Maybe it's because we've been vaccinated. I don't know. Uh, there's no vac- vaccine currently there. We're immunized, I should say. <laughs> Not vaccinized. That's a new word. Uh, there's no vaccine yet for the coronavirus. 
but maybe there are for spiritual things. There, there's a, a weak form, a, a dead form of Christianity. You know, that's what I understand takes place. They take weak or dead, uh, a virus or something like that, and they'll, they'll put it into you, and I'm sure it's way more complicated than that, but that's what I learned in elementary school about immunization. So, But they inject this into you, and it enables you to develop an immunity to the virus. Some of us have been immunized since childhood. We've learned a weak gospel. We've learned about a, a God who's, who's distant from us, a God who's not our best friend, who doesn't walk with us through every trial. We've not taken the time to really get to know Him as the God of love that He is. And because of that, we're not really susceptible to the gospel. We think that we're okay. And really, we're in desperate need of the GSPL in our lives. So how do we expose ourselves to the GSPL? How can we ensure that that our weakness is coming in contact with the gospel? Well, let's just take the CDC recommendations for what they are, but reverse them. Now, as we do this, I, I want you to know that I'm not minimizing the fact of what we do need to do to protect ourselves from the coronavirus. And I don't want to in any way minimize what people are going through, the the incredible heartache and and suffering and death that's taken place through the coronavirus. But I believe that there are some key principles that we can learn just from our own health principles in reverse. You want to be exposed to the gospel? You need social connection. Specifically, you need to go to the source. If you wanted to get the coronavirus, one of the best ways to do it right now would be to get on a plane, find somebody that would fly you to Wuhan, China, and go to the animal market there, and at least a month ago if you went there, now it might be a little bit safer. But that would be the most direct way to ensure that you came up with that disease. Another way to do it would be, hey, Let's go to Italy right now. Let's go to Iran. Let's go to these places that have outbreaks. And, and let's expose ourselves. Let's, let's stay in the same room with somebody who's coughing and sneezing and has the disease. Get as close to somebody as possible. So what I want to encourage you to do, if you want to be exposed to the gospel in your life, if you want it to permeate you, go to the source. And surround yourself with obvious carriers. People that are overflowing. They're telling you, God is love. He's so awesome. He did this in my life. Can you believe the way He's been working in my life? Expose yourself to those kind of people on a regular basis and it will catch in your own life. Go to the source. Look for yourself. Study for yourself. Talk to Him yourself. And then surround yourself. Come to church, Sabbath school, small groups. You know, this past week, uh, I was visiting a family who told me about one of you who came by their house, one of you who's sitting here today, thank you for doing it. You came by their house and you said, how can I help you? And you ended up taking them regularly to Stan and Joy Mulder's small group. And they said, you know, I'm not able to make it to church right now because of car difficulties, but being there in that small group has really impacted me. It's that spiritual encouragement that I needed. If you aren't a part of that small group or Carrie's small group or a Sabbath school and you would like to be, let's start another one at a time that works for you because we need to get close in pursuing Jesus. That's how we're exposed to the gospel. Now the next thing is, don't wash your hands. Okay, I'm not talking about when it comes to the, that's one of the most important things to not get the coronavirus. 
But if we learn anything from the example of Pilate, we're going to actually learn that it is impossible to wash your hands of the Gospel. Jesus is so incredibly good that every person is going to come face to face with that reality, both in this lifetime and on Judgment Day. And you're going to come to contact with Jesus and you're going to realize that you cannot wash your hands and just avoid the Gospel. Every person here, you might be distracted, you might be thinking about something else, but one way or another, we have the choice to choose for or against the Gospel. We cannot wash our hands like Pilate did and say, I'm innocent of this man's blood. All of us are responsible for what's taking place with Jesus. And then... Uh, our eyes and our nose and our mouth, the CDC said, we need to not touch them too much. But what we really need to do is to taste and see for ourselves, like Psalm 34 says, that He is good. And then establish habits for our health, for continued connection. Keep coming to church. Read your Bible every day. Talk to Him like a friend every day. Look for that God of love consistently and constantly. And you yourself will become a disciple. And as you become a disciple, how do you transmit it to other people? You do the inverse of what you should do if you have the coronavirus today. You should stay away from people. If you want to spread something, get close to as many people as you possibly can. We need social connection. Draw close to everyone possible. Make as many friends as possible. Come close to as many people as you possibly can. This past weekend, my girls actually got uh, some sort of their first official cold, and I could tell by looking at them that something wasn't quite right. (laughs) Living never actually looks like this and never is quite uh, this. Let's see if this video will play. All right. Living never does this, just, just laying there looking really lethargic. You can see it on her face. She's simply just not feeling good. It's just not going that well for her. But I've learned something. Love helps even in the midst of sicknesses that that you actually want to come close to a person who's dealing with something like this. And I've actually come to, it's kind of odd to say, to appreciate maybe I'll say. I don't like my girls being sick. I feel really sorry for them. But there's something really exciting that happens. Here's a picture. Here's Abby. And this is what they've been doing all week. They just want more hugs, more holds. They don't feel that good. And what they want is to be held. As a disciple, we've got to press closer and closer to the people around us to expose them more and more to what we... Don't hold back from sharing who Jesus is to you and what He's done for you. Get as close to as many people as possible. I love those hugs. They're priceless, and I would not trade anything for them. David Asterix said it this way, uh, come close, as close as you possibly can to the people around you. Build friendships. Love them hard. You want to be effective in sharing Jesus, in sharing the Gospel? Love people hard. (laughs) Make as many friends as you can wherever you go. All the while showing them how beautiful and radically different Jesus is from anyone else they've ever known. So in the process, we tell them this gospel is so incredible, it's so different, it will change your life. 
And they'll begin to even see it just by who you are. The church is called to be distinct. We are called to be different from the world. But not distant. There is a big difference. And sometimes we made the mistake to think that, okay, so I'm called to be different from the world, so what I need to do is distance myself as far as possible from the world, just make sure I don't touch anything unclean, and if I stay far enough away from everybody possible, maybe I'll be pure enough so that when Jesus comes back, He'll actually want me. But the picture of the Gospel is the exact opposite. What God wants for you is to come as close as possible to as many people as possible so that you can share Jesus with them. So that you can open the Bible to them so that they can come to know a God of love like you know Him. Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus says this, and it's so opposite to what was happening during the Cyprian plague where they're taking their loved ones and throwing them out in the streets. It says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Everything Jesus says boils down to you drawing close to people, you treating others with that self, uh, other-centered focus that's what the entire Bible is about, Jesus says. And sometimes we miss that. Jesus said it later on in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that we study about Bible prophecy, about the law, about the Bible hangs on the fact that we are called to love. And if our study does not lead us to that, then we're missing the entire point. So then, it tells us to cover your mouth and nose. I really encourage you to do that if you're sick. However, if you are becoming a disciple, please do not cover your mouth and do not cover your nose. What you need to become is the fragrance of Christ. Paul says that you are a letter written to people. That, that by coming in contact with you, people will, will see that God is good. Second Corinthians 2 verse 15 says. And then Jesus said, even the Son of Man did not come to serve, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many in Mark 10 verse 45. Selflessly serve and give. Talk about your friend Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, there's this amazing story where they're being oppressed, they're being mistreated, and they say, you know what? We need boldness from Jesus to share Jesus with this world. And they were given boldness to share. And, and more and more, I'm recognizing that I don't have what it takes to effectively share Jesus. I was facing that reality a week and uh, uh, two weeks ago on Sabbath morning, my first Sabbath to do the Knowing Jesus seminar in Burlingame. And, and I was there reading my Bible. I was praying about the message for that day, two messages that day. And I was thinking about what do I present? How do I go about this? And a little backstory to this. Lee Venden came a while back and presented an All About Jesus seminar here. Do you remember that? He came and shared about friendship with Jesus and the three-legged stool about Bible study, prayer, and sharing with other people. And at the end of that, he had challenged me. He said, I want you to start sharing the same seminars. In fact, 
I'm thinking about maybe having you on my website that you can go around and you'll be sharing these same seminars too. Well, come camp meeting, one of the pastors, pastor from Burlingame, came to me and he said, hey, would you mind sharing a, a seminar with us this fall? And I said, well, what I'd like to do is a seminar about Jesus. Is that okay? He said, oh, that would be perfect. That's exactly what we need. We really need revival in our church. I said, okay, we'll we'll plan that for September of October this year. So in July, I text Lee Venden saying, hey, I'm probably going to do a seminar in September or October of this year. That was in July. I have not talked, I have not text Lee Venden since July of 2019. Fast forward to two weeks ago, Sabbath morning, I'm there praying saying, Jesus, I don't know what you want me to share with people today. I have ideas. I have presentations put together. But is this really what people need to hear? And why me? I'm too weak to be doing this. I just, I don't even know if this is the right thing. Why am I even here? And suddenly my phone buzzes. And it's Pastor Lee Venden texting me. Mind you, this is February of 2020. The last time he texted me was in July of 2019. And he's saying, hey, Zach, I remember that you said something about doing a seminar in Burlingame. Has that already happened? Or or, I'd like to hear about it. But you'll never believe it, but I'm preparing for that seminar right now. I'm going to start it in just a couple of hours. He said, oh, Zach, isn't that really special? How our friend Jesus lays us on each other's heart to be praying for each other. And he went on to tell me how important that message is. And he began to to remind me that it's about who Jesus is, not who we are. And I'm so thankful that that's the message that we have to share with the world. I mean, throughout that seminar, people were coming and saying, Are you serious? This is incredible. What Jesus wants to do in my life? What an incredible God He is. At the end of the series, this young couple that had been coming to it, one of them said, you know, throughout my life, I've, I, I grew up as a Messianic Jew. I, I had exposure to Hebrew, to studying the Old Testament. I had exposure to who Jesus was. But now I suddenly have a spark for Jesus in my heart. I think that this is something entirely different. The head elder in the back room on Sabbath morning was telling me, with tears streaming down his face, he's telling the pastor and I, I am a different person. And I'm not here to tell you that that was something special about me and what I was sharing, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to use you to share the Gospel with other people. And if you're focusing on Jesus and His love, and you're living that in your life, it will transform the lives around you. And he doesn't just want to do it through pastors. He wants to multiply himself throughout this planet through you. That's the only way that this gospel can be preached throughout the known world, that the final pandemic can happen and every person can hear about a God of love. And that's if it's multiplied through you and me. So I told you about Dionysius writing about these, this plague that took place. And Rodney Stark in his book, The Rise of Christianity, goes on to record how something different was happening from what the pagans were doing and throwing their loved ones out on the street with the Christians during this exact same plague. And he goes on to point out that this was likely the reason that Christianity exploded during these centuries. 
says that the first onset of the disease, they pushed, oh, sorry, this is what we just read, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead, and treated unburied corpses as dirt. That's what most of the people in the city are doing. And in fact, they were fleeing from the cities. They were trying to get as far away as they possibly could to quarantine themselves against this unknown plague. But most of our brother Christians, Dionysus writes, showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Christians were an entirely different group of people. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need, ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sicknesses of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. This is what we as Christians are called to do. And I'm not telling you what to do when it comes to finding out about some of the coronavirus, especially if you don't have medical training. But what I am telling you to do is that you are called to love other people more than yourself. And that's an impossibility. And what you need is Jesus living in you. You need a connection with Jesus. This is everything for our faith. And this is the only thing that will bring about the second coming of Jesus because Jesus is unwilling for any person to be lost. He wants every person to have access to the gospel. And once everybody has been exposed in a way that they are truly vulnerable and have the possibility of catching it, then he can come back. Christ's object lessons, we read the last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world, is a revelation of his character of love. And it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say this. The children of God are to manifest his glory in their own life and character. They are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. How is the world going to know the gospel? It's through you. It's through the multiplication effect of you being exposed to the gospel yourself and drawing close to as many people as possible. Taking time to be with the source and sharing him with everybody that you know. And then one day, Philippians chapter 2 describes what it's going to be like Therefore, and that therefore is based on the humiliation of Jesus and stepping down from the throne and step by step going to the point of death on the cross, unselfish love for you and I. It says, therefore, based on that, God also has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. And that at the, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible reveals to us how things are going to wrap up. And in the end, it actually tells us that every single person on this planet will come to confess who Jesus is. The righteous and the wicked. One day we'll all be arraigned before the great white throne of God and they'll come to recognize that this is a God of goodness and infinite love who gave His life for them. And on that day, I don't want any of you to not have the GSPL in your heart. 
I don't want any of you to have missed being, should I say infected? (laughs) No, I think that's a bad word. I don't want you to have missed being exposed fully to Jesus. And on that day, I don't want for anybody around me to have not had the opportunity through me to be able on that day to confess Him as Lord, not just because they recognize it, but because they love Him. On that day, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Some will acknowledge that His justice is is righteous. In Revelation 15, it says that everybody will say, just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Even Satan himself, who's about to be cast into a lake of fire, will come to recognize an infinitely good God of love. That is the coming pandemic. That is what every person will one day come to recognize. And what I want is for you and I to recognize it today and to share it with the entire world. If that's your desire, I just want to invite you to stand with me this morning. And as you stand, just to say, hey Jesus, I really want to expose myself to you. I want to take time to get to know you as a friend. I want to know you as the God who said, let not your heart be troubled. I want to know you as the one who will care for my every need. Let's pray together. Father, we stand before you today knowing that you are a beautiful and powerful and loving God. And we're longing for the gospel to so change our hearts and lives that we would recognize our weakness and allow your strength to be made perfect in us so that we can perfectly love this world in your strength. Lord, the world needs to see this. God, our hearts break. We pray for the people that are suffering with the coronavirus, for those that have lost loved ones. For those that are losing loved ones with all the other tragedies in our world today from earthquakes to floods to tornadoes to mass shootings. And God, I pray that You give us a a heart not to try to preserve ourselves, but to try to love in Your strength. To allow You to love through us. Lord, we want to be channels for Your infinite, incredible love. We want for that love to be revealed to the world. Would you please expose us to more and more of your loving character. We want to see you in all of your beauty. To see that you are attractive. To not be afraid, but to fall in love. And to invite everybody around us to the same thing. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.